God, we, we come before you this morning saying that you truly are amazing. God, we love you. And we are overwhelmed by the mercy that you pour out to us day after day. So we live our lives and, and do our stuff and, and forget about you so much of the time. God, forgive us. You're amazing. Your mercy never ends. And we come to you praising you this morning, asking that your spirit would speak to our hearts. God, draw us into your presence. Use the words that are spoken this morning, Father, just as a conduit for you. God, I pray that, that I could get out of the way. God, it's all about you. Bring glory to yourself, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It is such a privilege to speak to this group of, of people. I love the journey that we are on together. Trying to figure out how, how to live together. You know, it's, it's a, it, it, there's so many, such diversity in the room. I mean, we think about the university students and Soul Center and uh, what was that church? Um, <laughs> The avenue, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and now we're one church. One church. And we, we're still trying to figure it out, right? Still, still on a journey. Man, do y'all have a good week? Wow, a lot going on. We've had people move this week. We've got school starting. We've got some of our uh, students coming back to the rooms, you know, filling up a little bit. That's cool, too. It's just, it's been really cool. Our experiences shape us, don't they? You know, as we, as we walk through life, we, we all experience different things. If you were to look back at your life and tell me one or two or, or five things that were like the most significant in your life, you know, this shaped me. You know, we, we all have those stories, and, and we blend them together, and sometimes we can relate to each other. It's like, yeah, I, okay, how many in the room have a mother? Some of you are lying, okay? But, you know, we, we have these shared experiences. Some of us have kids, some don't. Some have grandkids. I'm probably one of the few in the room that does. But we got, we got grandkids. We, we have these shared experiences. But sometimes we have a real, a real problem just relating to each other. You know, I, I used to be... Susan and I went uh, as, as missionaries to Mozambique back in 1996. And um, I was going to go fix the world. Man, I have learned that there's a lot I don't know. Man, I, I, am, <laughs> I am growing and, and struggling, and you're a part of that journey. Amen. You know, thank you for, being, for speaking into my life and, and, and shaping, shaping me. Our life events shape us. Uh, but sometimes our events, are, our, our events of our life are, are very different. Um, and we can't relate easily to each other. You know, we, we have to be intentional, and, and to me, that's what one church is. We're pushing into understanding and loving each other and relating to each other, and, and I love that. But sometimes it's hard to build, to build trust. You know, I, I had this long story I was going to tell you, and it's a really cool story, but i got to tell you, I don't have time to tell it to you. So we'll just, we'll, we'll just, we'll just see if we have time at, at, the, at the end. <laughs> I really wish I could tell it to you. Mm. 
You know, I was asked, uh, Jamel and, and Matt asked me to talk on James chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and it, it's this passage that talks about, you know, you rich people, you know, your, your money's going to testify against you someday. You know, it's, it's kind of a hard, hard passage, really. Um, but, but I want to give you some, some background information. The church, at, at the time this book was written, this was the first book written in the New Testament. Do you know that? The first book written. That, what that means is James, as he's writing this book, he doesn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He doesn't have the books of Paul to, to draw on, you know? He's feeling it out. And, and I'll tell you what, the church had some problems yeah. right then. It was a growing church, you know, that, that, that you remember Pentecost, you know, 3,000 people, and the, you read through Acts, and the church is growing. James is the pastor of this, like, mega church sort of thing going on, and, and they're trying to figure it out, because they got people from all different kinds of backgrounds uh, trying, to, trying to live together. He had thousands of Jews who started following Jesus. Uh, some some were, were Pharisees uh, from you know, that came from this real legalistic background. Some of them were zealots. You, remember, you know who the zealots were? They were people that were really ticked off about Rome being occupying Palestine, occupying Israel at that time. And some of those guys, man, they would slip up to a Roman soldier and just you know, stick a knife in his ribs. Now these people are converting and, and, and following, starting to follow Jesus. But we bring our baggage with us, don't we? Sometimes we, you know, we, don't, we don't immediately get rid of all that stuff. We got this baggage that's, that's traveling with us. Um, let's see, who else did we have there? We, we had some prostitutes hanging out in the church. We, we had the poor hanging out in the church. You, you had some rich business people hanging out in the church. You had people who had converted to Judaism following Jesus. But what you didn't have were many Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And the Jewish people had sort of brought in this, this uh, baggage that they had. Seven years passed. In, in um, Acts 10, you have the story of, of Peter, and, and he has this vision. You remember the vision? In Acts 10, we put that up there on the screen there somewhere. Acts 10. Yeah, you can't see all that. You can just scroll through it because I'm not going to read it to you. But <laughs> you, you, had this, you had this story where Peter is, is up on his rooftop and this sheet comes down and, and this voice says, Rise, kill, and eat. And he says, Whoa, wait a minute, Lord. I've never eaten unclean things. And, and God in this vision says, Don't you call unclean what I have called clean. And Peter's scratching his head saying, What does this mean? What is going on with this? Three times Peter still didn't get it. He's still scratching his head. Somebody comes downstairs and knocks on the door. And it's these, it's these guys saying, there's this Gentile guy over here, and he's, he's, a, he's uncircumcised, he's not Jewish, he didn't convert to Judaism, he's, he's, he's just a God-fearer. And he wants to talk to you. Now, the guy's name's Cornelius, and he had had a vision too. Okay, so God has to intervene. God is really concerned that people from different backgrounds get together and get past the stuff. Past the, the history, okay? So 
So Peter says, well, you know, you know God had just kind of thumped him upside the head, but he, had, he went to see this uh, Cornelius guy. And he walks in in verse 28 of, of Acts 10. G, or Peter walks in. Now this is Peter, okay? One of the three closest guys to, to Jesus, okay? He should have had it together, all right? Now, now this is seven years past Pentecost, past when Jesus was crucified. Seven years, the Gentile people had kind of been excluded from this thing. And Peter walks into this Gentile's home, and he says in verse 28, he said to them, you are well aware that it. it's against our law for Jews to associate or even visit a Gentile. You see, Peter thought, he had, a, he had Bible rationale. Peter thought that it was illegal to talk to somebody different than himself. Illegal. Now, that's, this is, even though Jesus had taken Peter to a Samaritan village and made him and the, and the apostles hang out with the Samaritans, who were half Jewish and, and half uh, something else, Gentile. You know, they, they weren't pure Jewish people. And Peter, you read that story, you know, he's uncomfortable with that. And Jesus says, let's hang out here for a few days. You can imagine what these Jewish uh, apostles are, are thinking. Hang out with Samaritans? And even though Jesus had taken Peter to the Decapolis, now this is the area where, where the Gentiles were. This is the area where they're raising pigs. You remember that story, I think, I think it's Mark 5, where you know the, the pigs, the demons go into the pigs, they run down the hill and they drown. It's a great, great story. But Jesus has been forcing the issue. He's taking them into these areas and, and, and stretching, the, stretching them. Jesus cleared the temple courts. You remember what those temple courts were called? The court of the, fill it in there, court of the Gentiles. Okay, and Jesus was ticked. You know, he, he makes the whip and he drives the people out and he says, my house will be called a house of prayer for the Jews only. Right? Is that what he said? No, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. From the beginning, from the beginning, God wanted this integration going on. Even though Jesus had said, I have sheep that are not a part of the Jewish sheep pen. Even though Jesus sent them out to preach the good news of the gospel to all nations, Peter had somehow missed it or forgotten it. And it took this vision from God, not just one vision, three visions, three times, Peter, get this. And Peter's like, well, what am I missing here? The sheet, the sheet keeps coming down from, from heaven. We bring our baggage to our relationship with, with God. And what I love about one church is the good hearts that are in this room. You know, we, we have misunderstandings. We, we, we don't even know the things we don't know. You know? We make assumptions about other people. And we fill in the gaps with stuff we don't know. You know? Hmm. So Acts 10, the Gentiles, these, these different people start coming into the church. And some of the Jews aren't happy about this. Even Peter, he, he's still struggling with this whole Gentile thing. One time he goes down to Antioch, and he's eating with the Gentiles there, and Jewish people from Jerusalem come down to Antioch, 
And Peter starts getting all self-conscious because he, he knows that they don't really think you should be hanging out with Gentiles. They're down there checking things out, kind of spying a, a little bit. That's my interpretation. You know, kind of checking things out. And we, you know what Peter does? He gets up from eating with the Gentiles, the people that were different than him. And he walks across the room and he sits down with his Jewish friends. And they start, you know, having, doing whatever it is uh, Jewish friends do when they, when they get together. See, there's a problem with... Well, I won't go there. Um, where was I? Um, gee, that, that, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Um, so Paul comes, and he, he confronts Peter about this, saying, you know, this, this, this ain't right. You shouldn't be doing that. Uh, one of the issues that the Gentiles, that the Jews had with the Gentiles, was they ate different things. They had different, different customs, and, and the Jews had wrapped up. They had this law that told them what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. And so when the Gentiles start showing up eating things that are not, the Jewish people aren't familiar with, and then it comes time for communion, okay? It's like these Jewish people, or these Gentile people, they're unclean. How, how can I share in, in this communion with them? And there's this real bias, this discrimination going on between them. So then we come to Acts 15, which is like the, the, the central story. I mean, the thing I'm laying out to you is a major theme of, of the book of Acts. You come to Acts 15, you have the Jerusalem council there. Now look at, look at the first two verses of this. Um, while Paul and Barnabas, they, they had just returned from their first missionary journey, okay? And, and they're ministers at the church at Antioch. So these... So, while Paul and Barnabas are at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived, and they began to teach the believers. So these guys come down from Jerusalem. They began to teach the believers, unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you change and become like me, you cannot be saved. You, you don't measure up is what he's saying to them. Well, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them and started arguing vehemently. So they, they say, well, let's, let's go up to the mother church. Let's go up to Jerusalem, and let's, let's, let's get a ruling from, from the church. So they, they track back up to Jerusalem, and in, in verse 5 there, they're starting to lay out their case to, every, to, to the, the people there. It said, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, you ever put those two words together? Believers, part of the Pharisees. And what do you know about the Pharisees? Anything? Okay, well, they're like super legalistic. They wanted every I dotted and T crossed. And if you didn't, they're watching to make sure you cross your I's and dot your T. Wait a minute, you don't cross. You know what I mean. Okay, so they're watching everybody else, making sure they measure up. So some of the believers... They're in the church, but they got baggage, okay? They stood up and they said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep, not just circumcision, the law of Moses. So these Pharisees, these believers, they're carrying their baggage and they're trying to impose their baggage on everybody else. Our experiences shape us is kind of the point that, that I'm trying to get. So Peter stands up, and this is, this is a few years after Peter's had his vision and the, and the sheets are coming down. Peter stands up and says, Now look, I went into the Gentiles' home, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. 
Now, we can't, uh, that's God, okay? We, we can't cause the Spirit to fall or not fall, okay? God affirmed that He loved the, the Gentile people. So then Paul and Barnabas stand up, and they said, we went on these missionary journeys. Now, you read about that first missionary journey. It was a tough road, okay? These guys got beaten. They thought they were dead one time. These guys have taken the stripes for, for their faith, okay? So Paul and Barnabas stand up, and they start saying, Look, we saw God do amazing things among the Gentiles. And as they are ministering at this church in Antioch, remember that's where the the problem is is kind of come to a head, they were telling the people, you're saved by faith, not by the works, not by keeping the law. Okay? So So then James stands up. and Remember, he's the brother of Jesus. He's the pastor of this church. He's convened these people. He's got the Pharisees saying, you've got to keep the law. And he's got Peter and Paul and Barnabas saying, well, we need to rethink this. God seems to be doing something different here. And we've we got to rethink this. So then we come to uh, verse 13, I think. Uh, So when they had finished, James speaks up. He says, brothers, brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon, now he's talking about Peter, but but he uses his Hebrew name. You ever ever picked up on that? He uses his Hebrew name. And maybe he's trying to to appeal to the, the Pharisees. He's nuancing his language a little bit. He says, now Simon over here, has described to us how God first intervened and chose a people for His name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, so then he starts quoting this passage from from Amos. Uh, After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Now that fallen tent thing is a cool concept. Okay, because... It's, it's in between. The, David's tent is before Solomon's temple, and it's after the tabernacle that they... So remember remember Old Testament story where they took the ark out. Uh, the Jewish people, uh, Israel was losing a war, and they take the ark out, and they think just because they have this magic box that God's going to save them, and they lose the ark. And David gets the ark back, and he puts the ark, before the temple's built, he puts it in a tent. And that's what this is talking about. Now you go back, I forget the, the chapter, like First Chronicles 16, I think. Um, maybe it's 26. Anyway, you go back and, and read that passage. And in this tent, there were people in front of the ark dancing and singing and praising God and, and banging on, on cymbals. And the Levites would come in. Now the difference is, remember in the, in the temple there's this veil that kept the people out of the presence of God. But in the tent, in the tent, there wasn't the veil. Okay? You could, you could come and, and have access to God. It wasn't for a, spe- a special few. It was for those who, who would praise the Lord. So th- th- that's a whole sermon. Um, but he says... He says, after this, he's quoting Amos, after this I will rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it. Uh, That the rest of mankind, 
may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. Now, this is Amos. This is the Old Testament stuff. Even the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago, from long ago. Now, who does these things? The Lord does these things. He is the one who breaks down the dividing wall. He is the one who removes the curtain from the temple. He is the one in the Old Testament where, remember how the children of Israel come out of Israel and there's this, this tent of meeting. Moses would go outside of the camp to the tent of meeting. And God says, I want to be in the middle of everything. I want, I want people to surround me. I want people to come. I want to be near the people because I love the people. I want to be with the people. God wants to be with you. And anytime somebody says, God wants to be with me, but not you, we, we got a problem. We've got a problem. God wants to be with... Isn't that the message of the incarnation? I mean, Jesus, God, incarnation, God with us in Jesus. God wants to be with you. God loves you so much, He wants to be with you. Wow. So the book of James, the first book written, is written in the midst of this big conflict that's going on you got people excluding others. And, and James, is he, he's writing a how-to book. Remember, we, we've been hearing people say, but James was direct. You know, he would just, you know, I think he's like this pastor that's just fed up with, with these people. He's saying, look, get your act together. Treat people right. Be nice to each other, okay? Hmm. I, I, you know, I, I maybe should not stick to, or stick to my notes one or the other. Um, hmm. When we, when we look at people, sometimes we see what's different about each other. Okay? But deep inside of you, God said, I made you in my image. Deep inside of each person, enemy, Jesus said, love your enemies. How are you going to love your enemy? You've got to see God inside of them. They are created in the image. Turn to the person next to you and say, I see God in you. Okay, be bold, be bold, you can do this. I see God in you. All right. The Jews didn't see God in other people. And let's, let's not make that same mistake, okay? So James 1.1, we're really going to get to James 5, I promise. James 1.1, look at that first verse. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's he write it to? To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. Now he's got a message for the 12 tribes, the Jewish people. And remember, he's in the midst of this conflict where we got the whole circumcision battle thing going on. Okay? Now, I was, I was charged talking about uh, James 5, 1 through 11, but I want to back up just one verse. 4, 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. 
Now, this is kind of like a summary verse of what's gone on before. This book has been, has been written. The first four chapters are all about how we should relate to each other. Take care of the poor. Don't show favoritism. Don't just use your words and talk about religion, but be mindful about how you act. Be careful how you use your tongue now. And you need to bless and not curse other people. Ooh, don't curse other people. You ever said something nasty about somebody else? I'm sorry, Lord. You need to love one another. Stop coveting. If you see the good that needs to be done, don't refuse to do it. Do it. Put your hand to the task. And if you refuse to do it, it's sin. Love of each other should supersede our desires for material possession, for self-promotion. He's telling the people to live their faith. Okay, now here you go, James 5, 1 through 11. Now listen, you rich people. Listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that's coming to you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. You know how they, they used to, purple cloth, you know, was, was a sign of wealth, and you know, they, would, they would stash this stuff away. And the moths got in and, and ate it. Your gold and your silver, they're corroded. Ever found an old penny somewhere and it's all, it's all kind of nasty, you know? Well, your silver's been corroded because you're hiding it away. You're not, you're not sharing it. You're not using it for the Lord. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Now, I've always kind of wondered about this last days thing, okay? Because we're still kind of booking along here, you know? <laughs> What, what's he mean, last days? Well, I tell you what, the church was under persecution. Um, James, Peter, James, and John, that James, had been martyred. Peter had been arrested. The church had un come under persecution, scattered, you know. And there's some, there's some hard times going on. They were looking for the, for the Lord to come back. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. That persecution, when people left, they became absentee farm owners. And they'd send their money back to pay the workers, but the workers weren't getting their fair share. God is concerned about justice. He's concerned about justice. He's concerned about the poor. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Ooh, now this is, this is an image to the whole sacrificial system. They used to fatten up a calf or fatten up a lamb and take and they'd kill that lamb. And what he's saying, by hoarding your wealth, what you're doing is you're making yourself to sacrifice because you're not counting on God. You're counting on yourself. You're counting on the funds that you save and, and you're really stealing the funds from other people. And James is calling them out in the first century. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. Now remember, he, he's got, he's got uh, what are these guys? Uh, the zealots inside the church. And, and they're struggling with this whole national identity thing. Rome's oppressing us. And he's saying, look, you've killed people that aren't even against you. Now that might be a reference to Jesus too. It was the legalists that killed Jesus because he didn't measure up to them, to, to their own uh, expectations. You killed people who, who were on your side. Now sometimes, 
like in one church, we want to be on each other's side, but it takes some time to build that trust, you know? And some, somebody will say something that we misread, or, or maybe they meant something nasty by it, you know? We're, we're growing, okay? And we're learning, we're learning the stuff that we don't know. So verse 7, so be patient with each other. Be patient. Brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. You see, God is watching. And he cares, and he's counseling his people through this book. Play nice. Play nice. Be nice. Now, James is, is a pastor of this big church, and, and he's written a book here. And he says, just like the pastors today, you know, he, he's written his book there. And um, he's saying, if this is going to get better, you need to behave like this. Uh, did I finish that passage? Now, let's see. As, verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard Job, of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And, and that's sort of the key verse there. The Lord's full of compassion and mercy. He's extended it to you, so now you need to extend it to other people. I think, I think the book of James is saying that we need to get past our biases and treat each other well. Stop othering people. Those other people. They're this way. They're, and Okay, put, put the mirror up. Okay, because we, we've all got garbage. Okay, we all got stuff that, that, we're working, that we're working through. James 3, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. James 3, with the tongue, with the same tongue, we praise our Lord the Father, and we use it to curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and curse. My brothers, this shouldn't be. Trust God's mercy. Trust His compassion. Jesus said that if you did something for the least of these, you did it for me. So if you're having trouble loving the people that, that you see, I mean, not just in, in this room, but in the city. I know you two got, a, got an issue going on here, okay? Yeah, so you're having trouble loving each other. Turn to him and say, I see Jesus in you. Come on, work it out, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Turn to your neighbor and say, I see Jesus in you. We got we to look past the stuff and see, and see Jesus. And see Jesus. Be patient, be generous. For God's sake, stop killing people created in the image of God. And that's everyone. Now, I can't get to know you. I, I've, I've got this stuff that I'm working through, okay? And I can't get to know you. I can't benefit from your story unless we share life together. We are, we are better together. The Lord prayed the night before he was crucified, Father, may they be one just as you and I are one, just as you're in me and I'm in you. May they be one so that the world will believe. As we are divided, we are hurting the cause of Christ. 
Now, the pinnacle of this book, he, in, in James 3, he talks about two types of wisdom. One type of wisdom is from the world that just ignores all this stuff. Okay? And the other type of wisdom is from God. The wisdom, verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Be pure. Okay, you got, you got garbage in your life. Own up to it and, and deal with it. You, you, and, you and God. Okay, be pure. Then be peace-loving. Considerate. Considerate. Submissive. Full of mercy and good fruit. Try to bless others. Don't be greedy. You're going to regret it. That's what this passage started out with. Okay? Impartial. Sincere. Peace lovers who sow in peace will raise a harvest of righteousness. You want righteousness in the world? Be a peacemaker. Make peace. And that's what, that's what we're doing. That's, what, that, that's this experiment. That's this body. That's you and me together. But we've got to live together. Okay, it can't just be Sunday morning where we walk in, hey, you know, and hug each other. I love that part, but it's got to be more than that. We've got to be in each other's lives. Let's be peacemakers together, and it's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some patience. But together, we can raise a harvest of righteousness. Together, we can raise a harvest of righteousness. But we've got to stop othering. We can be one, loving God and each other. Now, James ended the book. And he said, pray. Right. It kind of it ends abruptly. Yeah. But his message is, pray. Okay, he, remember, he's in the thick of the battle. Okay, and he says, pray. That's how I want to end. Let's pray. Lord, make us one. Help us to get past the baggage. And, oh, God, genuinely, help us to genuinely love each other. Weave us into each other's lives. Help us to bless and to be full of mercy. God, help us to be peacemakers. You said, blessed are the peacemakers. So we seek your blessing today. Lord, help us. Help us, Jesus. Be deep down inside peacemakers for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.